I am so happy that you're able to join us for this extended interview. Make sure to visit theoffbeatlife.com. Again, that's theoffbeatlife.com to get more killer resources. joining us for this extended interview with Tim where he's going to share how to live abroad for less. Hey, Tim. Hey, Debbie. Thanks for having me on your show. Thank you so much. So before we get into how to live abroad for less, can you tell us a little bit about you and why you live an offbeat life? Sure. Well, I started traveling around the world like a lot of backpackers uh, when I was younger and um, looking for a way to make a living. I started travel writing, which is what I do today for a full-time job, but also I taught English um, for about five months in Turkey near Istanbul and for a year in Korea, and I really loved that experience of living abroad and sort of getting into the culture as opposed to just passing through quickly and moving on. So eventually, when our daughter got a little older, I just have one daughter, um, we were looking for a place to sort of replicate that experience and give her that experience as a young person and maybe help her language skills. So we ended up um, moving to Guanajuato, Mexico, and over time lived there for three years um, in two different two different sessions. So you and your family live abroad, and now that you're an empty nester, your daughter is about to go into college, you can go back to Mexico. Can someone actually find the right location and a place to live for, for less if they want to start doing this? Yeah, so I have a book out called A Better Life for Half the Price on moving abroad and lowering your expenses, and I have a section in there called Head, Wallet, and Heart. And because they're are three factors you really have to go through to figure out the right place to live. And so the wallet factor is what you can afford. Uh, where can I you know, have a decent life for the amount of money that I have? The head factor is the things you would put on a checklist. For example, I want to be by a beach or I want to be in the mountains or I want to be in a place where I don't have to learn another language <laughs> or uh, I want to be in a place where um, I can easily get back to home to see friends and family. So, you know, put those things on a checklist, what really matters to you, and maybe you can help that to guide, to narrow it down, to guide where you're going to go. But the last thing, the heart thing, I think you really got to go to a place and see if it's right for you. I've been to a lot of places that looked great on paper. And when I got there, I was like, eh, <laughs> this is not so great. I don't really like it here. It doesn't feel like home. So uh, I think most travelers are always sort of doing that in the back of their mind anyway. Every time they go somewhere, they kind of think to this, themselves, hmm, could I live here? Uh, this looks like it could be a cool place to hang out. And for me, I went, I'd been to a lot of places in Mexico from different travel writing jobs and vacations and whatever. But I landed in this place called Guanajuato. It's right in the middle of Mexico at 6,000 feet. The weather's gorgeous all year, and I was walking around. It's this old colonial city with all these old buildings uh, that are older than the United States, and <laughs> I and it's sort of a windy place in the mountains and lots of pedestrian-only streets. And I emailed my wife, and I said, hey, I found the place. And she's <laughs> like, what are you talking about? You just got there. And I said, I don't care. This is the place. <laughs> and um, so we did a trial run together, uh, she and I and my daughter for a month. We went there and got an Airbnb and took Spanish lessons, and and uh, they both liked it. And so that that did become the place. 
So when you're looking for places to live, obviously you don't buy a property right away or you just rent apartments. How do you usually find apartments and places to live when you do decide to stay at a specific destination? Yeah, that can be a tough one sometimes. And and you're right. It's always best to rent first because you don't know what neighborhoods are good. It's not a very smart idea to just breeze into town and plop down $200,000 on, <laughs> on a house or a condo. You should always rent first and get a feel for things, which is what we did. Um, we rented before we ever bought. Yeah, I, I actually wrote a post about this. It's quite popular on my blog called How to Find Local Accommodation for a Month or More. Because it's not as straightforward as we internet-obsessed Americans would think. You can't just go online and find your perfect apartment and work it out by email and PayPal and then you're done. Um, You can find a vacation rental that way, no problem. Um, But if you're trying to find something for a cheaper price that you're going to stay in for three months or six months or a year – you really need to have feet on the ground usually. There there are agencies that can maybe speed it up a little and help you a bit. But uh, a lot of in developing countries especially, a lot of the the apartments that are for rent or the houses for rent are not listed anywhere. Or if they are, they're in some little local paper that's mm-hmm. in the local language. And so you sort of have to become a detective and, and also get the word out. Just tell everybody you meet, hey, I'm looking for a place to live <laughs> because uh, – yeah, we found ours through an agency, but um, a lot of friends of ours have found places just by word of mouth and by walking around looking at signs. And sometimes they've negotiated something long term with an Airbnb owner. And we actually did that with our house. We rented it through VRBR, VRBO and Airbnb just as a short term rental for probably a year. And then somebody who rented it from us got in touch and said, hey, we rented your house last year. We're thinking of going down there for six months to a year. Could we work out a deal? And we did work out a deal, which was way cheaper than we rent it through Airbnb, but it was worth it for us to have somebody in there month after month sort of looking after it and um, using our maid so that she kept employed with them. And and um, it was just less hassle. You know, when people are coming in and out all the time, it's kind of a pain coordinating the cleaning schedule and all. So sometimes Airbnb owners are willing to do a long-term deal with you for less if you get in touch with them. That's why getting to know the locals is really crucial to a lot of this because then they'll give you the ins and outs of what you may not know as an expat. Once you're there, you have your apartment, you found the right place, and you feel at home. How do you cut your expenses in half without you know, giving up your quality of life? The reason I call it a better life for half the price is you usually don't have to cut back. That's the, that's the beautiful thing because it's just a simple arbitrage thing. If you're spending in dollars or euros from your home country and you're buying things in the local currency, it's just going to cost you a whole lot less most of the time if it's a cheaper country. I mean, if you move to Norway or Japan, no, you're going to spend a lot more. <laughs> but but if you move to a country that has a lower cost of living, then you're naturally going to have a lower cost of living too, unless you're trying to exactly replicate your U.S. life. Cost of groceries goes down drastically usually, uh, especially fruit and vegetables, you know, seasonal things that are grown locally. Restaurants are far cheaper. Cultural events. We literally pay $7 to go to a symphony concert. And um, a lot of times if a concert comes to town like a musical concert, it'll be 5 or $6, you know, not 50 or 60 And so those kinds of things really add up. But our utilities are lower. You know, our, our taxi rides, $3. 
dollars to go across town where we live, and it's four if you go to the bus station. So uh, those kind of things, you know, are just so different. And then healthcare—that's the huge one for Americans. I mean. If we go to the doctor, even a specialist who speaks English, it'll rarely be more than fifty or sixty dollars, and they'll spend an hour with you, and they'll give you your, they'll give you their cell phone number if they, you know, if you have a problem, and um, and that's Mexico. It's even less if you go to Ecuador or some other country. So, healthcare is drastically cheaper. I, I've heard of people getting knee surgeries for literally one tenth what it would be in the United States, or hip surgery, things like that. Uh, I go to the dentist for a fourth of what I spend in the U.S., and they're not trying to upsell me on everything either. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, and rents are less. Uh, we have a maid come in twice a week because we can, because we can afford it. And I have a handyman on call that's $5 an hour. So just, uh, you know, all those things make a drastic difference in what you spend on a monthly basis. We don't have a car either. Sorry, I forgot to mention that. A lot of... um a lot of countries have much, much better public transportation than um, the spread out U.S. and Canada do. So if you uh, move to another place, it's, there's a good chance you won't even need a vehicle. In a lot of ways, your way of life has actually gone up because you're able to afford more things that you wouldn't have been able to back in the U.S. Yeah, and we have this discussion all the time. The U.S., I'm sure you do too. Like you talk about going out to eat and it's like, oh, well, let's go somewhere cheap because I don't really want to spend $100 on dinner. But there we don't even think about it. We say, okay, let's <laughs> go out to eat. And we just go anywhere. It doesn't matter, you know, because the most expensive in place in town is like uh, going to Applebee's in the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Now you're really convincing us to do this as well. <laughs> <laughs> And to go out for a few drinks, you know, you go out for uh, a few beers or a few cocktails and it's 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 negligible. It's not like you got to um, be real careful with your money and watch what you're doing. Thank you so much, Tim, for all of these incredible tips. Now, if our listeners want to know more about you, where can they find you? Well, my site that I have everything on is uh, timleffel.com. But if you want to learn about that book specifically, then uh Go to CheapLivingAbroad.com, which has a lot of information on it there and links out to where you can buy it. Or just go to Amazon and you can get the paperback or the audiobook there. Wonderful. And we'll definitely have the link up for that on the website as well. Thank you so much, Tim. It was such a pleasure talking to you. Great talking to you. And uh, I really appreciate you having me on, Debbie. I hope you enjoyed this extended interview with Tim. Make sure to visit TheOffBeatLife.com. Again, that's TheOffBeatLife.com to get the full interview with Tim where he shares how to travel well for less and be a nomadic entrepreneur. Offbeat family, I really appreciate you listening to this episode. I would love to hear more from you and what you think of the podcast. Suggestions on guests, topics we can discuss, or maybe you just want to be friends. Why don't we chat some more on Facebook at The OB Life or send me a message at hello at theoffbeatlife.com. I can't wait to hear from you.